Welcome to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferrans. Unions, not just good for workers, good for democracy, good for the community. On the show today, the Secretary Treasurer, the AFL-CIO, the Economic Policy Institute, and who is really responsible for today's holiday. Welcome to the Monday, September 4th edition of America's Workforce, a Labor Day edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least five platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. We have three guests to celebrate today being Labor Day. We're going to start things off with a longtime supporter of America's workforce, Fred Redmond, Secretary-Treasurer of the AFL-CIO. He's had that position since June 13th of 2022 when he was unanimously elected to the position as the highest-ranking African-American officer in the history of the labor movement. Now, we started a segment with him, I'd say about a year and a half ago. We called it the first Friday with Fred. So usually he would be on the Friday before Labor Day. I figured, you know what, with his stature, let's bring him as our featured guest on this special holiday. And it's only appropriate, too, because a couple of days ago, he and Liz Schuler, who heads the AFL-CIO, did a press conference. This is all online. In fact, if you go to aflcio.org, you can access what they talked about. The theme this year, it's better in a union. It's all about showing the strength and the power that workers gain when we organize and when we bargain collectively. And on that video, you will see stories, stories that are shared by workers with special news about the increasing momentum that the labor movement has been involved in in the last couple of years. I'll tell you, it's real exciting. A lot of organizing going on. We'll talk about that. We talk about that on the show every day, honestly. But it's a really good piece. I do encourage you to check that out. Again, aflcio.org. From Fred, we're going to go to Washington and check in with Margaret Poydock. We had Margaret on the show back in the spring. I believe it was in April. A little background on her. She joined the Economic Policy Institute back in 2016 as a senior policy analyst. And she works on the issues of unions, labor standards, and strikes. And I want to tell you, we are in the middle of a summer of strikes. We almost, almost had a strike with uh, Teamsters at UPS, but they uh, came to an agreement on that contract. We might see something happen here with the auto workers. The strike deadline is just, uh, my gosh, two weeks away. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the power of unions and how workers are staying strong despite the fact that there's a lot of union busting going on. I mean, that's a huge industry in itself, but workers are fighting back. And I want to call attention to the Economic Policy Institute here because this is a great organization. They are affiliated with the AFL-CIO. And there's a post titled, Unions are not only good for workers, they're good for communities and they're good for democracy. High unionization levels are associated with positive outcomes across multiple indicators 
of economic, personal, and democratic well-being. We know, we know that unions promote economic equality and build worker power, helping workers to win increases in pay, better benefits, safer working conditions, but that's not all. Unions also have powerful effects on workers' lives outside of work. Now listen to this. In the report, they document the correlation between higher levels of unionization in states and a range of economic, personal, and democratic well-being measures. In the same way unions give workers a voice at work with a direct impact on wages and working conditions, the data suggests that unions also give workers a voice in shaping their communities. Where workers have this power, the states have more equitable economic structures, more social structures, and more democracy. And they found that on the average, the 17 U.S. states with the highest union densities, number one, they have state minimum wages that are on average 19% higher than the national average and 40% higher than those in low union density states. Medium annual income, $6,000 higher than the national average and have higher than average unemployment insurance recipiency rates. That is a higher share of those who are unemployed actually receiving unemployment insurance. Great data. Got to check it out. EPI.org. They also have a rundown on the the states that have the highest union density. Right now it's New York. It used to be Hawaii. But New York is right now just shy of 25%. Almost one out of four. 24.7. Hawaii slipped a little bit to 23%. Then there's Alaska, 19.9%. Let's see, New Jersey, 16.8. California is at 16.7% union density. Oregon, 15.6. State of Ohio, where we originate this show, 13.7%. And then there's South Carolina. They are the lowest out of 50 at 3.2%. We got some work to do in uh, South Carolina. So uh, Margaret Poydock will be our second guest. Then we're going to go to my dear friend, Tommy Buffenbarger, American labor leader, former president of the uh, International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, also uh, was a member of the executive council of the AFL-CIO and also a member of the Economic Policy Institute. Tom has been retired now for about seven years, and he did a little research (laughs) On today, this is a great story. It really is a great story. Before it was a uh, federal holiday, Labor Day was recognized by labor activists in individual states. After some municipal ordinances were passed, we're going back to 1885, 1886, a movement developed to secure state legislation. Well, New York was the first state to introduce a bill, but Oregon was the first to pass a law actually recognizing Labor Day on February 21st, 1887. That's not Labor Day, but that's when they recognized it. During uh, 1887, four more states, Colorado, Massachusetts, New Jersey, New York, they all passed laws creating a Labor Day holiday. So by the end of the decade, Connecticut, Nebraska, and Pennsylvania followed suit. 
1894, 23 more states had adopted the holiday. And on June 28th, 1894, remember that date, June 28th, 1894, Congress passed an act making the first Monday in September of each year a legal holiday. Okay, that's the background. Now, who first proposed this holiday for workers? Well, it's not entirely clear. That's why Tom is on the show today. Two workers could make a solid claim to be the founder of Labor Day. Some records show that in 1882, Peter McGuire, General Secretary of the Brotherhood of Carpenters and Joiners and co-founder of the American Federation of Labor, suggested setting aside a day for a general holiday for the laboring classes to honor those, quote, who from rude nature have delved and carved all the grandeur that we behold. Well, it turns out that Peter McGuire's place in Labor Day history has not gone unchallenged. Many believe that Matthew McGuire, not Peter McGuire, Matthew, a machinist, actually founded this holiday. Research seems to support the contention that Matt, later the secretary of Local 344, the International Association of Machinists in Patterson, New Jersey, proposed the holiday in 1882 while serving as secretary of the Central Labor Union in the state of New York. Well, Tom is going to delve into that a little bit deeper because there was kind of a contentious fight between the two individuals and the problem that ensued was the president of the united states at the time that would be grover cleveland who more or less got confused now i don't want to get into all the details i'm going to let tom do that but it's quite significant that we find who the real person was that came up with the idea of celebrating labor day was it a McGuire? Was it a McGuire? Was it a machinist? Was it a carpenter? We'll find out when we check in with Tommy Buffenbarger to button up this special Labor Day edition of America's Workforce. Right now, i got to take a quick break. Fred Redman, on behalf of the AFL-CIO, coming up next. Hi, this is Rich Jordan, business manager of Ironworkers Local 17. Proud to represent the hardworking men and women who work hard every day and have this day off to celebrate a day we honor all workers. This local is also proud to be home of American Workforce Radio and Podcast, the only show that tells the real story of the workers, what they do, how they do it, and what we all need to do to rebuild the middle class. Unions are what brought us to the eight-hour day and the 40-hour work week. Unions make sure you were paid time and a half or double time for all overtime work hours. Unions are also responsible for health care, pension, and annuities, making sure you have enough money when you go to retire. We have worked hard to get to this point, and we will work harder to keep it that way, and then some. To all listening, enjoy this day off. You have earned it. Have a safe and happy Labor Day. It takes Lyuna to build North America's infrastructure. From roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the site of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, Lyuna members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot 
Hire union musicians. Call Music Talent of Cleveland at 216-881-1802. Call Music Talent of Cleveland as your dependable source for professional musicians in Northeast Ohio. Union musicians add harmony to weddings, elegance to parties, and uplifting music for all events. Music Talent of Cleveland contracts solo and ensemble musicians as well as bands and orchestras for single engagements. So hire union musicians. Call Music Talent of Cleveland today. 216-881-1802. Hello, I'm Melissa Cropper, President of the Ohio Federation of Teachers and Secretary-Treasurer of the Ohio AFL-CIO. And I just want to say a happy Labor Day to all our workers across the state of Ohio. Thank you for all you do every day in our classrooms, in our government offices, um, in private sector, all you do to keep our state running smoothly and to protect workers' rights and to make this a great state. Again, happy Labor Day and thank you. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Iron Workers. You can find more at ironworkers.org. America's Workforce appreciates our sponsor, the Columbus Central Ohio Building and Construction Trades Council who represents more than 18,000 workers from 19 affiliated local unions and district councils. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Federation of Professional and Technical Engineers. You can find more at ifpte.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast, AWF Union Podcast. Let's go to our live line right now and join Fred Redman. Now, Fred, well, for the past couple of years, it was the first Friday with Fred, first Friday of each and every month, which was a couple of days ago. Well, today is Labor Day. So it's the first Monday, the first Labor Day with Fred Redman. We featured guests like Rich Trumka, the late Rich Trumka. Last year, it was Liz Schuler. We figure it's Fred's turn now. He deserves it. 50 years fighting for workers. Fred Redman. Happy Labor Day to you, brother. Well, thank you, Flash, and happy Labor Day to you. All right. Well, lots going on. This is the summer of strikes. I do encourage our listeners, when you get an opportunity, to go to aflcio.org and take a look at the map and how many strikes are going on. We might even see a strike by the UAW here. Who knows? But those talks are continuing as we speak. But uh, I know you and Liz got together. Um, last week and took a look at what's going on in America. And Fred, I want to give you an opportunity right now in America's workforce to lay it out. Tell us what's going on here, brother. Well, thanks a lot, Flash, uh, and happy Labor Day to all of your listeners. Look, um, last week we held our first ever State of the Unions, and, um, you know, we brought the unions together to the AFL-CIO headquarters um you know we took a look we took a review of um labor day what lays what lies ahead in front of us as a labor movement and the accomplishments that we've made over the past year and also a reflection a reflection on um you know what labor day means to this progressive labor movement um and you know look i mean labor day is a day this is the day that uh, is rooted in uh, resistance and progress. And, um, you know, it's also a day of remembrance and reflection. And just a reminder to folks that the labor movement marched and we sacrificed the end child labor. We challenged inhumane working conditions. We created safety standards. And it was the labor movement who literally transformed grim, dangerous jobs 
into good family sustaining careers. And we did that industry by industry. And as a result, it was unions that helped build the middle class. So this is a day celebration, a day of reflection, and a time for us to take stock of the American labor movement and uh, look ahead, look ahead at uh, the work that we have to do in order to sustain this movement and build this movement going into the future. The theme for that uh, press conference was it's better in a union. It's better in a union. It's all about showing the strength and power that workers gain when we organize and then bargain collectively. I understand a couple of stories were shared with the with the audience there. Fred, yeah. talk to me about some of those stories. Well, we really highlighted young workers. Uh, you know, we highlighted young workers and what they expect out of the labor movement, why 88% flash, and this is a real number. We announced this uh, last week uh, during our uh, celebration, and uh, 88% of people under 35 support labor unions, and those numbers was given in a recent poll that we commissioned, very reputable poll. Mm-hmm. And that's a good sign because, you know, when Liz Schuler and I, took over this labor movement two years ago, we envisioned a movement that would resonate with workers at the start of their working lives, with workers at the end of their career, and everything in between. And uh, every day, more and more working people are finding out that the labor movement is, is the solution to low wages and unsafe workplaces, to inequality and discrimination. And... Uh, you know, the labor movement is the only institution in America that has the infrastructure and the reach to address and just eliminate oppression in all of its forms. So it's a today we celebrate the accomplishments uh, of the labor movement. Uh, we have people that's organizing into unions, particularly young people at record numbers, because they have came to the understanding that we succeed when we move collectively and we work together. So today we're celebrating those successes in organizing with a realistic view of how we're going to approach the future. We're going to approach the future by engaging more and more younger people in uh, the economy and having discussions at the work sites. We're going to build the biggest political program that we have seen in history of the AFL-CIO, which starts today. Uh, We're going to be putting record numbers of people on the street. We're going to be talking to our members at the plant sites and at the plant gates. We're going to increase our number of phone calls to our members. And we're going to allow this president, which is the most pro-union president we have seen in our lifetime, the opportunity to finish the job. Mm -hmm. And the job is to create good, union jobs through the infrastructure bills to the chips act to the you know all of the good legislation and executive orders and trillions of dollars that this president and this administration has put into the economy to create thousands and thousands of jobs we want them all to be union jobs so you know this labor day we're um really reflected on the progress that we've made in organizing and building a strong political program that we're going to take into 2024 and also finish the job and 
some states like um, like Mississippi, where we got a good shot at a governor's race this November. Uh, we're going to be working hard in Virginia, in Kentucky, and around the country in order to elect good, progressive labor candidates in state houses across this country. And then next year, we're going to reelect this president. There you so go. we realize the challenges that's lay ahead with the new economy, with alternative energy, you know, talking about wind turbine and solar panels. And, uh, you know, look, as we transition from fossil fuels into alternative energy sources, we have to make sure that the jobs coming into this economy are going to be good union jobs. So we're committed to do that. We're excited about the future of the labor movement. That's what we want. It's better in a union. Fred, um, I was looking at your bio, and I always do because mm-hmm. I, I, I'm amazed at your long history, especially with the steelworkers. And yeah. uh, your your path, your union path started 50 years ago, 1973, in Chicago mm-hmm. when you worked at right. Reynolds Metals. And I'm thinking about that year. Okay, Nixon was in office. And then right. Ford, Carter, Reagan, Bush, Clinton, Bush's son, Obama, Trump, and now Biden. That's 10 presidents. That's 10 That's right. presidents. <laughs> well, you're making me feel old, Flash. <laughs> hey, you know what? I started my broadcasting career that same year, so I'm yeah. in the same boat, brother. I'm in the same and, boat. And look, and, and look, those 10 presidents that you just named, I'm impressed. You know, But those 10 presidents, a lot of them did a lot of good. A lot of them did a lot of bad for the American economy. But this president, this president, he stands out because he unabashedly, you know, mentioned the word union in all of his speeches when he thinks about legislation, okay, that's going to be inclusive of working people into the American economy. He thinks about the union. We have a seat at the table. I was at the White House last week. We were doing a debrief from the march on Washington, and, um, you know, he brought us into the room to talk about the mass shooting in Jacksonville, Florida, and what can we do together to eliminate this gun violence that's ravaging our cities across this nation. So when I say the most pro-union president in my lifetime, okay, I mean that because this president makes sure that our voices are heard, in terms of organized labor, we have a seat at the table. We don't always agree on different on, on different issues, but our voices are being heard by this president, and he's building an economy that works for all. And that's why we feel committed to help him finish the job. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, this Labor Day, we celebrate those accomplishments against tremendous odds you know, around a group of MAGA Republicans who won't stop at anything, okay, in order to grab power and to try to give more power to the wealthy corporations throughout this country. But despite all that this president has faced and the resistance that he has faced from that MAGA crowd, you know, he has stood with workers, and we have to recognize that, and we have to make sure that we go all out for him in 2024. You know, I'm glad you referenced that march on Washington, which mm-hmm. was uh, 60 years ago, a week from today. Yep. 
And, and it's important because you know there's a lot of politicians that want to wipe that out of the history books. It's important right. that we know what happened at that time. Just like labor had to fight and die for that eight-hour day for vacations, right. for maternity benefits. I mean, there's there's so much at stake when you think about the uh, the luxuries we have, the forty hour work week, all those things. That's that's why we celebrate Labor Day. That's important to call that out. So I, I love your optimistic attitude. It's better in a union. That's what we're we're going to talk about moving forward. And uh, I'm just going to wrap it up on that. Now, anything else you want to add to this special broadcast here and and podcast? No, once Fred, again, I, I just want to first of all thank you for your commitment flash the working people for your broadcast. I want to thank all your listeners for giving us their time and calling in, asking the relevant questions. And, uh, you know, as we push forward, then I just want to also leave this, this, your, your listening audience with uh, our slogan for this Labor Day. It's better in the union. And all the records show that, all the indications show that, and uh, we welcome everybody on our big tent. So happy Labor Day, everybody. Thank you, Flash. And we march forward. All right. And we'll do you on the first Friday for next month. Okay, brother? <laughs> okay. Sounds good. <laughs> okay. Enjoy your holiday. Okay. Fred Redman, okay. Secretary Treasurer of the AFL-CIO. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to link up with Margaret Paydock. Margaret is a senior policy analyst with the Economic Policy Institute. And she's going to talk about that resurgence in union activity. Back in a few minutes. You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Ferrans. It takes Lyuna to power North America with affordable energy. The men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, Lyuna members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by Lyuna at Lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Heat and Frost Insulators Labor Management Cooperative Trust. Find out more at insulators.org forward slash LMCT. Hey, this is Sean McGarvey from the Building Trades, and I'm wishing everyone a happy and safe Labor Day weekend. This is the time to celebrate the achievements of workers who built this country and continue to operate it and show them the proper respect and dignity for creating all the wealth that exists in the United States. So happy Labor Day to all workers out there. The Iron Workers Great Lakes District Council, consisting of eight ironworker local unions in West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Ohio, and Michigan. We build the skylines and bridges along the Great Lakes. With more work than ever before, the Great Lakes District Council is actively searching out the next great iron worker. Whether it's building the next Intel plant or constructing a bridge to safely connect our great cities along the lake. So join the Ironworkers Great Lakes District Council today. Find out how and learn more about the council by visiting IWDistrictCouncil.com. Hey everyone, this is John Schloy, president of the News Guild CWA. I want to wish everyone a very happy Labor Day. The most important thing that we can do is to work to build our power and build our unions. Happy Labor Day. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the International Brotherhood of Teamsters, where you can find more at teamster.org. 
America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at BoydWatterson.com. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Steelworkers. You can find more at usw.org. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrance with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on at least five platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and Pandora. And when you get an opportunity, here's what you do. Just sign up and receive our shows on a regular basis and give us a rating. We always appreciate those five-star ratings. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the United Labor Agency, where you can find more at ulagency.org. Special Labor Day edition of America's Workforce. And joining us as our second guest right now is uh, Margaret Paydock. We had Margaret on the show back in April. She serves as a senior policy analyst with a wonderful organization, the Economic Policy Institute. She joined them back in 2016. And as a senior policy analyst, she works on issues concerning unions, labor standards, and strikes. And uh, as you know, there's a there's a summer of strikes going on in America, hundreds of thousands striking because they want better wages, they want better benefits. So we figured we'd bring Margaret to the table to talk about all that and where she sees unions heading the rest of this year and the years ahead. As I indicated, there's a lot of unrest, and a lot of that is attributed to the pandemic. A lot of the workers who were called heroes, well, now they're called zeros. Margaret Paydock, welcome to uh, America's Workforce on this special edition. I'd like to get your take on what's happening in America. Uh, As a labor union show, we're pretty excited about it. Maybe you can give us some data on what you see happening here. Go ahead. Yeah, well, first of all, thank you for having me this afternoon. So like you said, there have been some very uh, public and some very large strikes that happened this summer. We've seen workers across the economy either go on strike or even threaten to strike, um, including Hollywood writers and actors. There was the averted Teamster strike with the UPS. And uh, workers are striking and engaging in collective action because the U.S. economy has been churning radically unequal income growth for the last four decades. And research shows that unions and collective bargaining are are very key to gain share prosperity for workers. Um, the latest BOS data or the Bureau for Labor Statistics data on major work stoppages, um, which we'll just refer to as strikes, uh, shows that in 2023 is likely to exceed the entire amount of workers who are on strike in 2022, which is about 120,000 workers. So we are definitely seeing more workers go on strike so far in 2023, and we're likely to see that to rise further on through the, throughout the year. All right, Margaret, can we uh, can we look into that a little deeper here? Obviously, with the Economic Policy Institute, you take a look at these numbers, you try to figure out what's going on in America. I, I referenced the pandemic. Your opinion on this? Do, do we know any anything here? I, workers seem to be frustrated. We're also seeing more militant union leaders. I know we saw one with the Teamsters and, and the UAW. What's your what's your take on what's going on here? Yeah, so unions and uh, labor unions are very popular among American workers. And last year in 2022, unions received a high favorability rating amongst Americans at 71%. That is actually probably the highest favorable rating they've received since uh, the 1970s. 
Um, we're also seeing workers just showing an increase in unions and joining unions. The National Labor Relations Board, which is the agency in charge of administering the National Labor Relations Act, has seen um, some of the highest caseloads, which includes both union election petitions and unfair labor practices in 2022. It's the highest increase they've seen in 2022 um, since the 1950s. So we're seeing a lot of interest in unions, uh, workers joining unions. Um, and we also are seeing uh, the Bureau of labor, labor Statistics, like I said, uh, we're seeing an increase in the number of workers uh, going on strike uh, in 2022 and 2023 as well. I know when it comes to the UAW, they they reference the profits that the big three have been making, and they're extraordinary. And 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 that just speaks to the wage divide in America. And and this this happened probably in the last twenty thirty years when you see a lot of the uh, corporate titans. Obviously, they care more about their shareholders than they care about the workers, and we're seeing that gap. What's a CEO pay ratio used to be maybe 20, 25 to one. If you go back to the 1960s, now it's like 350 to one. In your opinion, Margaret, is that part of this whole thing or saying, wait a minute, I'm being more productive and I'm not the one making the money. The, The boss is making all the money. How do you feel about that? Yeah. So there is strong correlation between the decline in union membership over the past several decades and the growth between the bottom 90% and the top 10%. There have been policy choices that have been made that have um, hurt unions and that has caused a decline or a growth in income inequality. Um, Prior to this historic income inequality that we're currently seeing, there was several decades of historically low income equality between the 1930s and the early 1970s. And that was a direct result because we had policies that empowered workers uh, to join unions and form unions. And the policies were on their side. And that they, are, they were the key driver to making sure that all workers were able to gain their share, fair share of the economy. Now, on the downside, what we're seeing is an uptick when it comes to the union busters and those captive audience meetings. And I know a couple of states, New York being the latest, they haven't done it yet, but uh, they don't want people to be disciplined. And many of them have been disciplined to the point of being fired if they choose not to attend the captive audience meeting, which are very effective. I mean, there's been a number of uh, union drives where they figured, well, the union's going to win this election, and then comes the captive audience meeting, and all of a sudden, oh, they're pretty scared. Maybe we shouldn't bring the union into this place, and then the, the union drive fails. Is that the big problem today in, in when it comes to uh, uh, union avoidance, captive audience meetings that, that thwart the – I mean, unions probably would be a whole lot more successful if that wasn't part of the equation, right? Yeah, that is correct. That is definitely part of the equation. Uh, it's totally totally legal for employers to mandate their workers to attend these captive audience meetings, meetings like you said, where they um, these workers are receiving anti-union messaging. And kind of counterpoint, there's no opportunity for the union um, that would potentially represent them to uh, meet them on property and kind of do counterpoints of how those messages are not correct. And so that is totally legal to do under um, U.S. labor law. Like you said, certain states are 
passing or introducing laws to provide protections against coercive employer political speech, which can include captive audience meetings. Um, and these states are are introducing and passing these laws because there is some um, there's there's a lot of inaction on the federal level at the moment. Yeah, you got to be really tough to fight these things, but there's some pockets in America where it's working. No doubt about that. One more question here for uh, for you, Margaret. Margaret Paydock joining us as Senior Policy Analyst for the Economic Policy Institute. I understand that you uh, manage the EPI's legislative and policy initiatives to build a more just economy. When you talk about building a more just economy, and I know the EPI has an affiliation with the uh, the AFL-CIO. It, it's all about unions, isn't it? Obviously, when you join a union, <laughs> you're going to get better wages and better benefits. Isn't that what this is all about? Yeah. Uh, we at EPI want to make sure that every worker in America has opportunity to join a union if they want to, as well as other policies such as having a living um, a living wage, uh, secure retirement, access to health care. Those are all things that um, unions can help with, too. All right. We'll leave it on that note. Margaret Paydock, Senior Policy Analyst for the Economic Policy Institute. Do check out their website. Lots of really good research there. EPI.org. EPI.org. Margaret, thank you so much for joining us on this Labor Day, and we'll be talking down the road, okay? Thank you for having me this afternoon. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back... My dear friend, Tom Buffenbarger, former general president of the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, did a little bit of research into the founder, the real founder of Labor Day. And that story's coming up next. Don't go away. This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com. It takes Lyuna to keep America running. Over 70,000 public employees are part of LIUNA, the Laborers International Union of North America, delivering critical services such as health care and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with LIUNA. Find out what it takes for LIUNA to keep America running at LIUNA.org. That's L-I-U-N-A. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the United Auto Workers. Find more at UAW.org. Hey, this is Pete Alamini from the Insulators Labor Management Cooperative Trust. And just wanted to wish everybody a happy Labor Day. Definitely enjoy the day and the long weekend and have a barbecue and get ready for the football season. But sometime in the weekend, just think a little bit about what we have done in the labor movement over the last hundred years and appreciate what we have in the labor movement. It hasn't come easy, and we have to work hard to maintain it and to be able to secure our future. But happy Labor Day, everybody. There is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The The United United Steelworkers. The largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in In the the US, US, Canada, Canada, and the the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steel workers, standing strong and fighting for what's right. America's Workforce is brought to you in part by the Communication Workers of America. You can find more at cwa-union.org. Union members need to be heard. Reliable and convenient union voting has never been more important than it is now. 
Make voting easy for your membership by working with survey and ballot systems. SPS offers encrypted and monitored solutions that ensure your elections are accurate and accessible for every member through mail-in, online, and in-person voting. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com and take the next step in getting secure and auditable elections. Hey, America's workers, this is John Samuelson, international president of the Transport Workers Union. Happy Labor Day, everybody. This is our day. This is not the boss's day. Enjoy yourself. Celebrate being a worker and celebrate fighting back to defend our livelihoods. Thank you. America's Workforce is presented by the Labor's International Union of North America. Feel the power right now at liuna.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. Real simple, AWF Union Podcast, AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the Ohio Federation of Teachers. You can find more at oh.aft.org. Let's go to a line number two right now. Welcome a dear friend, longtime supporter of America's workforce, especially when he was general president of the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, since retired seven and a half years, going on eight years of retirement, 45-year career, 18 of those as general president of the International Association of Machinists. And we had Tom Buffenbarger on the show on July 4th talking about what happened at Harley-Davidson back in the 80s. That was a great show, still archived on awfpodcast.com. And today... We're going to talk about who founded Labor Day. And it's kind of interesting. There's a McGuire and a McGuire. One from the Carpenters Union, the other from Tommy's Union, the Machinists. Tom Buffenbarker, thanks for joining us on this special Labor Day edition of America's oh, Workforce. I, I'm glad to be here, Flash, and and give you the true story of Labor Day. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have to go back to, uh, it looks like uh, 1882, long time ago. So I'm going to let you pick it up from there because this is a fascinating story. And I, I went online. They look a little similar, too. They both have mustaches and they got a high forehead. But there is a difference. And I'm gonna, <laughs> I'll let you explain the rest of that, okay? <laughs> well, there's nothing wrong with those high foreheads flash mine goes all the way to the back of my head so um the uh 1882 let's go back in time no afl cio no afl or cio but there was an organization that unified unions called the knights of labor and uh and most people that were in any kind of an organized trade group or skill were affiliated either very actively or passively with the Knights of Labor. The, the Matthew McGuire, who was a machinist, was very active with the Knights of Labor. And back in 1882, the Knights were talking then, and and there's plenty of documentation on this, about having a parade where the workers could show their strength and their pride and how much they meant for their toil to support this country. And they talked about it at their meetings in New York City quite often, 
And then they finally decided they're going to have a Labor Day parade. Now, at this time, there was a carpenter named McGuir who was uh, active, certainly with the carpenters, but he would participate in Knights of Labor meeting. And that evolved into the Central Labor Council, which is a New York City council. And so you had the carpenter, and then you had a guy named McGuire, who, very active, but Matt McGuire, the machinist, was the secretary of the Central Labor Union. Mm -hmm. And he's the one, and again, it's in the record, that... um, actually implemented and executed on Labor Day. And so the Central Labor Union established in New York City a big parade. I think it was the arguments about how many were intended attended it. There were between 10,000 and 30,000 unionists, trade unionists, who participated in that very first parade. It was a huge success. And, uh, you know, we've we've known uh, the history of it up until today. Well, in 1894, I believe it was, President Grover Cleveland, on the heels of the Haymarket riot in Chicago and the bloody aftermath of that, wanted to send a signal and make peace with the nation's unions and the workers. And he created uh, Labor Day, the first one officially recognized in the United States. And in that legislation and in the bill signing ceremony, both Matt McGuire and Peter McGuire were in attendance. And As the president signed the proclamation, he presented the pen, which is customary. We've all seen it on television. He turned and he got confused and gave it to Peter McGuire instead of Matt McGuire, who was leading the delegation to the White House. Oh, boy. And from that time on, people just assumed because of the press reports at the time, you know, there was no TV, no cell phones, no radio. It was good old-fashioned pen and paper and reporters around. They got it mixed up. Now, where the machinists find great strength in their argument to honor Matt McGuire is the founder of Labor Day, is all the documentation that exists in New Jersey in their labor archives. And there is a letter of apology from Grover Cleveland himself to Matt McGuire for screwing up who got the pen at the signing ceremony. And Grover Cleveland recognized Matt McGuire as the true founder of Labor Day. How about that? 
So there, there is presidential confirmation on that. Now, let's fast forward through all the years of parades and, and everything. Peter McGuire stayed very active with the Carpenters. And in the New York labor movement scene, Matt McGuire became, he was a very quiet guy. He became a candidate for vice president of the United States on the Socialist Party ticket. And uh, because that really was, uh, really ticked off Samuel Gompers, who considered that to be a radical move, though it wasn't, uh, the rest of the world were in tune with the beliefs at the time. Uh, they kind of relegated Matt McGuire to uh, no man's status. And Matt McGuire continued to, to perform all kinds of good works for the labor movement. And Peter McGuire was good friends with um, Sam Gomper. So that eased the way for Gompers to always point to Peter McGuire. I see. As the founder of Labor Day. Well, in 1968, the Secretary of Labor at the time, Willard Wirtz, great Secretary of Labor, he uh, studied all the facts when asked about who is the real father of Labor Day. And Willard Wirtz came down on the side of Matt McGuire. And uh, officially confirmed that from the Secretary of Labor's office that year. As a matter of fact, it was um, September 9th of 1968 that uh, he said it indicates conclusively that Matt McGuire is the true originator of Labor Day and uh, let it be known. And then in 1972... Matt McGuire's descendants founded the Matthew McGuire Association that still exists to this day, uh, honoring Matt uh, McGuire as the founder. And uh, all the documentation now that comes out uh, further supports that claim. Now, there will always be a big debate certainly between carpenters and the machinists about the true founder of Labor Day. But as many historians note, it doesn't matter. It's the fact that we have a Labor Day. Right. And that workers are honored for the contributions they make to the success of the United States of America. Amen, brother. So, So, Tom, let me interject here. This whole story all has to do with a confused president in 1894. Yeah, and it's not like we haven't seen one or two of those before. <laughs> and uh, oh, I mean, they could, uh, just think how easy it is to recognize the proper people. And, uh, you know, maybe he didn't have a teleprompter or notes in front of him. I don't know. But what a what a mess 
a confused president has made now for, you know, over a century. Yeah, yeah. And, and to your point, it took 74 years. You mentioned that date in 1968. That's when uh, LBJ was president. That's right. Outgoing, outgoing, actually, at that time. Vietnam in full full speed. And uh, the labor secretary at the time said, okay, we got the documentation. It goes to the machinists. So That's they right. get the they get the bragging rights. Oh boy, amazing! What a great story! What a great story! So, and that was followed up. I want to interject in here is um, when LBJ left. Uh, you know, Nixon became president, and uh, he named as his federal mediator the the top mediator of Federal Mediation Conciliation Service another machinist named William J. Ussery, who then Gerald Ford made his Secretary of Labor. There you go. And W.J. Ussery, who I knew personally and worked with for many years, uh, he confirmed it several times that it was Matt McGuire founded Labor Day. And that's good enough for me, Flash. There you go. There you go. And think about that, Tom. Under Nixon, on Nixon's watch, OSHA went into uh, into law. And and so did ERISA, the uh, Employee Retirement Income Security Act. And those were days in Congress when Republicans and Democrats could find common ground. There were no close votes on these pieces of legislation. They were doing it for the benefit of the country. And that's something that, you know, we have certainly lost our way on that kind of bipartisanship cooperation to do what's best for the country. And uh, it didn't matter. You know, you, here we have an example of a Republican president signing legislation that benefited all workers. And uh, I don't know that we can, we've seen that in a, such a long time. No, no. But uh, to wrap up here, it is Labor Day. It's, it's a day for all workers, union and non-union. But unions brought you Labor Day. We have to remember that part. Tom Buffenbarger joining us on our live line on this special Labor Day edition of America's Workforce. You go back to enjoying your retirement, okay, buddy? We'll do. And happy Labor Day to everybody out there. And know that there's uh, one citizen here who appreciates the hard work everyone does all year long. And that'll be it for another edition of America's Workforce tomorrow. Tim Berga of the Ohio AFL-CIO and the professional aviation safety specialist. Until then, all of you have a safe and wonderful Labor Day. That concludes another episode of the America's Workforce radio podcast. Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find out more information online at labortools.com.